there's this virus pandemic, right? But nobody realizes how big of a mental health toll it's taking on our society. And we need to be more connected now than ever. Welcome to the Filipino on the Rise podcast, where I spotlight Filipina powerhouses, meaning Filipino women doing big things and making an impact. I'm your host, Crystal Fabella, and I aim to promote Panay excellence, highlight Filipino culture and modern day successes, and celebrate what it means to be a Filipina. Today, we're talking to Deirdre Levy. Deirdre is a special education teacher working with third grade students living in Brooklyn, New York. She is a candidate in the race for city council in Brooklyn, District 35. If elected, she'll be the first Panay to represent New York City. In this episode, we learn about what led her to work in special education and what led her to run for office. We discuss the global pandemic of COVID-19 and her lens as an educator and the effects it has on education, students, elections, small businesses, and ultimately mental health. She talks about demystifying discrimination against Asian Americans and what we can learn from as a society and country from the disparities being highlighted. Deidre closes off with three messages to her students as an educator, to her community and city as a candidate, and to Filipinas and anyone who can use encouraging words and strength in this time. Hi, Deirdre. Welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you on. Thanks for having me. So Deirdre, give me a little bit of a description of your setting right now. I love to put in perspective who we're talking to and where we are. So right now I'm in Brooklyn. I'm in Prospect Heights. And this is my second day of remote learning since I'm a special education teacher. I, I work in a public school and I teach a classroom of 24 third grade students in an integrated classroom setting. And yeah, that's just basically me. I also am the founder of NYC Filipinos, the League of Filipina Network. And I am all about elevating the Filipino voice in New York City. Awesome. So little background on why we you know, invited on Deirdre. We're like, who is a Filipina that we can bring on right now to talk about some more timely stuff? Because right now it's March 23 and <laughs> everything, the world is a bit of a standstill. Everyone is getting affected by COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And there's many levels that it affects, of course, the direct health level, work, family, but then also economically and then educationally on um, government level and then on the mental health and the individual level and and who's someone who can kind of give us talks on that and what's so exciting is that aside from you know running for city council you've been in education for almost your whole professional career and I see that you're also a ledge assistant back then. It's going to be really interesting to open up your perspective. Before I get started, in your own words, who is Deirdre Levy and what is your present mission? So I guess I'm just a girl from Queens. I was born and raised in Flushing and I've always been involved in community building. So ever since I was five, I was very involved in my school choir Then I got really involved in my YMCA when I was in high school. And then I I also was a treasurer and vice president of my student body. And then when I went to college, I studied public policy. And I was the diversity assistant for the campus community. And then I ended up being like the assistant apartment coordinator. So I had to build community with over 10,000 residents at the University of Albany. Um, After that, I um, I became an AmeriCorps City Corps member, and I worked with kids in Long Island City. And then after that, um, I became a New York City Teaching Fellow. And I thought that in order to change the way that we help our children, 
we really need to understand what it means to be a teacher. So I've always thought about helping other people from a teacher's perspective. I never wanted to be a teacher, but I thought that in order to give, I guess, good policy recommendations, you really need to put yourself in a teacher's shoes. And it hasn't been an easy ride, but it has been very rewarding. And I'm glad that I can use my voice to advocate for kids who are vulnerable and for other Filipinos out there. Yeah. And I think it's so amazing, Duja, that you are a special education teacher. Tell us about where that passion or that dedication stems from. Well, I think that I've always really cared about people who have been afraid to speak up for themselves because I was always afraid to speak up for myself. I am an only child and I was always scared of who I was. I always struggled with identity issues. I'm half Filipino and my father, he was born in the Bronx, but his parents, um, they came from Israel and Poland and they are, or they, they were Jewish immigrants. And I went to Catholic school and I, I felt like nobody really understood who I was. So I never really felt like I had a voice growing up until I went to, or I guess when I went to high school, I started to develop my voice and then in college, I became really active and I wanted to use my voice to advocate for other people. And then I, when I was a teaching fellow, I checked off this box that said District 75 and I didn't realize that it was a position to work with kids with severe emotional and um, intellectual needs that I ended up working at different schools, um, one of them in Brooklyn and I ended up working with kids with severe autism. And I had no idea what autism was. Um, but now I feel so comfortable working with that population. I love it. I think kids on the spectrum are amazing. I think that they have different ways of thinking. And I think that's important because we live in a society that is continuously changing and we need to diversify um, our thoughts and how we see the world. I just want to like, really just thank you for the work that you do. <laughs> so it's really interesting because we hop on an intercall with Deirdre and I was like, yeah, we, you know, we want to talk about the insights of government on education level of how, you know, COVID is affecting these different levels. Like what are you seeing? And it's really interesting because Deirdre started off talking about mental health and that we're actually not talking about that enough. And that's actually what we're going to talk a lot about in this discussion. Um, but first and foremost, I'd love to ask you, Duja, like what kind of angles are you working right now that you're seeing the rise of COVID-19? Um, well, I guess when the scare came to New York City, I think a few weeks ago, my students were very nervous and I was telling them, you know, it's important for us to understand what the virus is instead of think about how it would scare us. And a lot of them had different ideas about where the virus came from. And um, I had to tell them that, yes, the virus did come from a certain region in China, but that doesn't mean that every Chinese person or every person that looks Chinese or every Asian person has it. And it's been a very frustrating experience, um, not with my students because my students they caught on really quick and they were able to understand the difference between 
where something comes comes from and I guess who would really have it. But the frustrating part is that I'm hearing about all these different people going through different things in New York City and I was interviewed by the Times and I talked about my experience as an educator working with students um, and teaching them about what the virus really is. There are people that are going through different acts of racism against them and it's not fair. And there was even, I guess it it was a person in Italy and he was Filipino and an Italian man punched him in the face because he thought he was Chinese and things like that. Like, I just think that it's important for us to teach instead of be ignorant And I'm hoping to host, well, before this whole outbreak and scare, I wanted to host a workshop with other people in the community about demystifying coronavirus and really trying to help combat that prejudice that people have against people of Asian descent. Can you share us a little sneak peek about what like one point of demystifying would be? Um, I think... In general, it's important to get different perspectives, and I'm grateful to my cousin, who's actually the special education chair at Hunter College. Um, she does have a former classmate from Harvard who has this presentation about different acts that have been happening, and it would be great to just gain the perspectives of different leaders in the Asian community. So I've been reaching out to different people. And I think it would be great if we could all talk about what we've seen, what we've experienced, and how we feel we should change how people view Asian or people of Chinese descent. I mean, we can't change anybody, mm-hmm. but we can always yeah. try to educate and shed light on the issue. Yeah. Can you talk about how these times have affected the education department like around you? Um, well, right now, I've I've been a classroom teacher and now I'm expected to be a remote learning teacher. And basically, I feel comfortable with technology, but I don't think everyone feels as comfortable as me. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just now I feel like a technology troubleshooter. And (laughs) I'm not the only person that feels that way because I am in a chat with my team all the time. And it's great that we're collaborating, but we're always talking about how we can improve things and we're always laughing about what happens during the day. So it's great to have that kind of collaboration. So does that really affect being a teacher, especially for like being a teacher in special education? Definitely. I think it really makes you look at the inequities in education because people who have access to technology have a better advantage. And usually those people have more money or they just have better circumstances, whereas there are people that don't. And There are some people in my classroom that don't have that kind of access to technology, and that's when it gets hard to really see who deserves this grade or who deserves that grade because Mm. nobody has an equal opportunity. And I think that is, I guess, what is being highlighted right now. And there are also parents who are first responders or parents that have other responsibilities and for them to take on these roles is very hard. So, I mean, I don't have children. I have a very different perspective, but my heart does go out to the parents that have taken on these new roles as their children's teachers because it's not easy. And I think 
now is a time for people who are not teachers to really understand what it means to be a teacher. Now it's in their hands and it's not like they're alone in it. It's just we're always there to help them and we have to help them. It's just now they're looking at education from a different kind of view. What are lessons we can learn as individuals coming away from this and and seeing these disparities or inequities with education or just like the struggles that teachers and the sector has to face? Let's say when this is all over, that we can better improve on as a society and as a community. I think it's It's very simple, even though it might not be as simple, but I think the first thing that we all need to do is we need to first listen and observe and watch. I think a lot of people have different opinions about what they think education should be, and I think that sometimes you need to put your opinions on the other end and really try to see what's really going on and to observe what the issues are before you can attack them. Because there's so much to learn by being a teacher. There's so much to learn by helping students get to their goals that there isn't just one solution. And I think that people also need to think about how equity is in education and about how different neighborhoods play different roles in shaping children's lives. So I think that the more diverse a school is, the better, because it allows students to mix with other kids that are different from them, and it allows them to accept each other. Yeah. So, Deja, I'd love to have you take us over to where you're also on another front, which is running for city council, District 35 in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you decide to do this? And can you kind of walk me through that? I love your your platforms are around equity and education, affordability in New York City, and food and nutrition. And I think that's just so relevant and, and probably really emphasizes the priorities that we should be having now. So when did you decide to run? What went into that decision? Your platforms link very closely now to where there's gaping needs and as a Filipina, how does it feel to like represent that? Um, well, I think that's a great question. And it's funny because it all started when I was five years old. And <laughs> my mom, she she asked me what I wanted to be. And I said, I wanted to be a singer. And she oh, said, nice. get a real goal. <laughs> and then I said, okay, I want to be president. And then she, I think the next day she bought me this book. It, it was a Muppet Babies book. And it The title was, I want to be president. And it was a female Muppet baby. And I still have that book, I think in Flushing. And I, I think my mom had really owned that interest. She also owned the Filipino um, singer interest too, but she wanted to make sure that I had something that would pay the bills, which I think is relatable (laughs) amongst a lot of them. I think in the end, my mom just wanted to make sure that I was self-sufficient and that I could take care of myself. Not that she doubted me. It's just she wanted me to have, I guess, a well-rounded perspective mm-hmm. in terms of how the world works. But I guess I've always wanted to run for office. I think in eighth grade, I wrote in my yearbook, I want to be a famous singer. If that fails, I'll be a politician or your worst enemy. <laughs> so that was my Or one in the same. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, I do... I mean, in life, you're going to have people that don't like you and nobody's going to like, not everyone's going to like you. So I think that's just the reality. So this year was my first year actually teaching in an integrated uh, classroom setting. Um, Prior to that, I was teaching a very small group of kids with severe disabilities. And I wanted to get a better perspective of what it's like to 
have students with disabilities in a more mainstream setting because I want to see the least restrictive settings for kids with disabilities. And I think being at the school I'm at now, I felt so empowered. I felt like I, I learned so much. And I felt like it was time for me to declare my candidacy for city council. <clears throat> I mean, I grew when? up, I, I did, declared on January 28th. Oh, Actually, this year. I was talking to another Filipino woman and um, <laughs> she was like, you have to declare as soon as possible. So I was like, okay, I'll do it on the 28th, and which was the next day. And oh my God. I'm just really lucky because there, there's just like a, a lot of support within the Filipino community and I feel so welcomed. So I think that's great. Like, I think it's great for us to support each other. And now it's March and um, now I guess things are at a standstill because of the virus and because, you know, people aren't working, people, our lives have been interrupted and, you know, I'm not worried. I just think that there are big priorities right now that we need to face and I'm all for just like working together with people to make sure that other people are supported because right now I'm lucky, like I, I have a job. I have an apartment. I I have family. I have friends. Um, yeah. So I am blessed in different ways. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate. Like I feel totally lonely all the time, but I think everyone else does too. And I think that it's important to really be grateful for what we do have. So things have come to a standstill on, in terms of like the campaign trail I guess yeah. what's going on over there in terms of like your own like district or like how decisions are being made with the current crisis I think with the current crisis there are a lot of candidates that have been putting their campaign on hold okay. in terms of fundraising and getting petitions out because yeah. I have talked to other people and they're they're all pretty sad about the situation but they do realize that there are big issues and I think that um, in terms of New York's response, the governor is working really hard, but I think we could have been more prepared in this Mm -hmm. situation. And it's a scary time. But for me, I'm not scared because I do have friends that are abroad and that have gone through this already. They are assuring me that it's going to be okay, but to not count the days to really accept it for what it is and to do my best to stay away from people. I mean, I, I do like to go out because I need fresh air. Yeah, um, not I'm not gonna be right next to somebody that I don't know. I'm obviously gonna keep my distance. And I've been doing that because yeah. it is scary right now. I think the main thing is to think about how we're going to get through this mm-hmm. and to just remain calm. I mean, as hard as it is, it's just better for our immune system. Yeah, totally. And New York, I know here in California, we had a statewide kind of like shelter in place mandate. Is that the same right now in New York? So right now, um, Governor Cuomo is calling it PAWS. PAWS, okay. Yeah, it's an acronym. <laughs> I don't think it's the easiest acronym to remember, but it's it's basically for us to, to not- pause. <laughs> to basically pause yeah. and to be at least six feet away from somebody to mm-hmm. not be out in public. I haven't experienced this yet, but he did say in a press conference that if you're out in the park and you're engaging with people, you're going to be asked to leave. Mm, um, okay. So but I no, don't know. No like not, fines or. Yeah. I, like, I, you know, I, don't, yeah. I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. And I'm not trying to find out what that looks like. <laughs> but um, I have seen those videos about mayors in Italy chasing people out and just making sure that they're home. So I think, 
I think for now, I'm just going to like, I'm very lucky because I have really great neighbors. Right. It's nice that I can talk to them or reach out to them. But I think when it comes to going out, just go out for the important stuff, whether Mm -hmm. it's getting like your groceries, making a list and not spending too much time outside unless you really need it. Because unfortunately, the government isn't doing enough in terms of mental health. My friend in Shanghai, she is so prepared for it because she knew it was coming. She knows that her government is has provided different things for her. And I think that's what New York has to do, or I guess this whole country needs to do. They need to really help people when it comes to mental health issues because I do have a friend who is in law enforcement and I did ask him about the the crime rates and he was saying how crime has risen in domestic incidences because people I think people are just scared and anxious and they don't know how to control their emotions and that's a that's a very real thing and it's important for I mean there's this virus pandemic right right but Nobody realizes how big of a mental health toll it's taking on our society. And yeah. we need to really put forth different things to help people when they're facing isolation. I mean, mm-hmm. I did see of somebody, you know, taking their life on social media because they didn't have a support system. And it's not an easy time to be alone right now. It's the time to not social distance yourself, but... I mean, and I was listening to this podcast from the the Surgeon General, but to physically distance yourself because Mm -hmm. we need to be more connected now than ever. So I wouldn't say social distancing. I would say physical distancing because it's important for us to check on the people. Yeah, I've never thought about that. Like the connotation that just social distancing and why we don't say physical distancing because then it just like words are powerful, right? And the context of words and what they symbolize are powerful. And then it can make us feel like social distancing. Okay. And like, we feel isolation, like psychologically, like isolated also from, from just word, like the naming of it. Right. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, there are so many people on social media that I mean, they've gotten mad at me for going outside. I'm not like, I'm not going outside to just party. I've had like different (laughs) things to do, like whether it's different, I guess, things on my checklist, errands and getting exercise. I think that people have to stop judging other people and Mm -hmm. I get the concern. I just think that it's important for people to not yell at people for going outside, um, to rather try to help them instead and say what do you need from me? How can I help you? So that way you're safe. So Deidre, I like just to transition and segue that now that you're talking about mental health, when we started talking, you opened it up on the topic of the effects on mental health in this, because something very recent had just happened personally to yourself. And of course, like I want to make this a safe space for you to talk about that if you want to, or if you don't want to, it's totally fine. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm totally open to it. I think when it initially happened, I was very lost, confused, but I was supposed to get married this year in August and now I'm not going to. And it was very, um, like, I think I'm still in shock because I think in life we try to make these plans, but then life says, Hey, I'm going to change your whole life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now I just feel confused and lost. And this is not the right time to be going through this confusion because I went from living with my fiance to now 
living in complete isolation. Um, but I guess I need to stop saying complete isolation because I am connected to family members uh, virtually. I just, I miss that like physical yeah. connection because mm-hmm. it it's nice to hug somebody and they say, I, I don't have the, the information with me, but they say that it's important to have at least, I think, five hugs to maintain this emotional stability. Yeah. When I did take my walk over the Brooklyn Bridge on Friday, I went to Ugly Kitchen, which is this really great restaurant in the East Village, and I ordered some food. And, you know, I think it's important to always support Filipino businesses, especially now they're they're really hurting. Actually, all restaurants in New York, they, they're hurting right now. But I went there and the owner's dog was there and I just gave her so many hugs. Hugs. <laughs> great, because I haven't hugged oh. in like two weeks. And um, like not even my friends oh. want to hug me. Not that they know. <laughs> I have coronavirus, but let's yeah. be careful. So, totally. um, like, giving the dog that kind of hug was just hug. awesome. And yeah. I think, you know what, even though it really sucks to be single right now, I think that it's this virus or this scare has really taught me to live with my feelings as much as I hate it. I, yeah. I have to, like, really, really own how I feel and not really ignore anything I'm going through. Like if I'm going to cry, I have to cry it out. If I'm going to be motivated to take a shower and sing to Lizzo, I'm going to do that too. <laughs> so I think it's, it's always important to own how we feel instead of pretend everything's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. And if we need to cry, like I feel like, you know, in politics, everyone is looking at the mistake I'm going to make next just from personal experience. And I'm I'm going to cry. I'm not going to cry in public. I'm going to find a safe space. Yeah. Because yeah. nobody needs to see my failures. I mean, not mm-hmm. my And failures. you said you even said like as a woman, they're already like you're already being waited on to make a mistake. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, there are going to be tons of people that are going to root on on me to fail, but not just me, like anybody. Whenever you yeah. have competition, whenever you're going for something that's great, there're going to be lots of I guess haters. So, I think like I have no ill feelings toward my fiance. It's just more, it was just more like a shock. And I just want the best for him because Mm -hmm. I don't think it's great to live with so much animosity or resentment. Resentment, Yeah. And I, I just want to have, I just, I guess want to be in peace. I, that's all I care about. And in the end, we should only wish good things for other people. Thank you. I I really appreciate your like vulnerability to be able to share that. I say that because I think when people listen to that and especially if they're going through something like isolation is very real. And especially when you're like physically having to isolate yourself and then go through something hard like this, it can add on to the emotional and mental struggle that goes with it. So um, thank you for your vulnerability and just willingness to put your emotions out there. And we, like you said, we're not talking about the effect that that could have on people and can you just um kind of like open that up a little bit for us about what it means to take care of yourself if you are like alone um going through this and maybe even emo- alone emotionally mentally like during this time where it's it almost feels like layers mm-hmm. of isolation but how to find strength and compassion for the self in it i think for me like I'm doing a lot right now. So I'm not just a teacher. I'm not just running for city council. I tutor. Like 
I host workshops. I try to connect with lots of different people. And I think that it's important to have a really strong network of people you trust. There are times when I get inside my thoughts and I think the worst things. Mm-hmm. And that's just, just anxiety. Really? When I'm when I try to reach out to people and they might not be there, I think, oh my gosh, this person hates me. The whole world hates me. And <laughs> I, have to, I like, totally feel that too. <laughs> I have to take a step back and just say to myself, like, this is just temporary. Like, yeah. don't think that. Or like, you know what? Maybe I just have to like really own my feelings and just cry it out because yeah. like there's nothing wrong with crying. It's yeah. just, it's better to express yourself than to hold everything in. And like for me, I think the easiest thing to do is this is I don't know if this is the healthiest thing to do but like I love chocolate and oh yes a little piece of chocolate to stabilize my mood is helpful I do that too <laughs> like, also like a big thing for me is music and mm-hmm. if I'm not feeling well like thankfully I have a google mini and I'll just yes. tell people I need to play Lizzo radio yes or- I don't know, Christina Aguilera radio or Jennifer Lopez. For some reason, I just feel connected to all these 90s singers. Well, like the 90s female singers. Yeah, they had it. You know, they really knew what they were talking about. Like Destiny's Child. They they talked about independent women and Mm -hmm. um, pay my bills. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, no scrubs. And it's important to really get energy back. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and then eventually my friends will call me and then they'll be like, yeah. Oh my gosh, don't think about this person. Just like talk to me or like, yeah. breaths. and I'm lucky that I do have friends that they might not live near me, but they are always available whenever I need them. So mm-hmm. whether it's like an Instagram DM or like a text message or a phone call, I do have support and I do have my family. I mean, I, I'm very close to my grandma and I try to call her whenever I can. So I think just making sure that like for me, I always struggle with people and whether they like me. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always want to be liked, but yeah, no, that's um, literally my struggle forever. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, I also have to realize that like not everyone's going to like me and that's okay because it's important for me to like myself first yeah, and to really understand my worth. And I, I know that I have a lot to give and I have a lot of love to give. So if somebody isn't going to appreciate me, then maybe they're not mm. the person that I need in my life. Mm. Um, I'm so- snapping over here. <laughs> I am snapping. But <laughs> I think it's important to always try to do things for yourself whether it's through music, maybe through chocolate, maybe like a bubble bath or I don't know, journaling. I Buy an I orchid. It. Yeah, <laughs> I bought an orchid this today because I needed to. I needed to make my space happy. I love it. So honestly, when it, if I see somebody like you and like, okay, you're, you know, you're running for city council and you also have to be strong as a teacher for your students and you also have to be strong for yourself. And there's just a lot of balancing like how do you choose like on a day-to-day where to prioritize like which part you're healing like you know what I mean when you're like you have to heal a community you have to kind of heal your yourself and the emotions that you're going through because of this personal recent issue and then also like everything that's being faced right now in the world I think I'm just a person that has a lot of love to give like I really do care about people and when it comes to prioritizing, I think that when it comes to my students, I really do care about them and I care about what they're doing every day. I miss them so much because we would spend every day together and now we just see each other online and 
I wonder how they're doing, whether they're feeling okay, whether they're scared, whether they're happy. And like, that's my priority right now. And then, but I also have tons of free time because I am single. So, um, isn't it an interesting time to be single? (laughs) I mean, like, I am actually fostering two toads from like the science teacher because we have to take the pets home because nobody's going to feed them. So, I do have two toads in my apartment and I am watching them. So, it's nice to actually care for different animals. But I also. They were getting freaky last night. I don't know. I'm not checking. On, I don't want to see what's going on. But at least nobody is like enjoying themselves, you know? <laughs> um, I think when it comes to really prioritizing things, I think it's always important to give back, especially when you feel hurt. Like I've worked a lot with my neighborhood to donate to the women's shelter in the area. And we've collected over 100 packets for toiletries. So that way each woman could have a toiletry packet. And we started this on Valentine's Day. And then I've reached out on different occasions to different neighbors. And they've been donating more toiletries. Like even this, my neighbor, he's actually Filipino too, coincidence. Um, He like donated all this Meyer soap and Dial soap and toothbrushes. And it's amazing how, how much like, you can put out there for your community. So I think whenever you're going through loss, like I know it's hard. I think that it's important to think about what you can do to help yourself and maybe help someone else. So that's what I try to do. That's how I cope with it. Like I feel like there's just some kind of like thing in my heart where um, Mm -hmm. like I'm not feeling so good, but if I can help somebody else, like that makes me feel great. Yeah. Oh, totally. Last things here. I'm going to ask you to say three messages and like you're wearing different hats, right? Like, mm-hmm. so what is something that you would say, um, like a message you would have for your student, like in this time? Um, I think it's important to choose to be happy. And I'm going to say that because I think it was almost 10 years ago where I did this kind of exercise with a life coach at the University of Albany and she just asked me how I how I felt or what I was thinking or what I was feeling and for some reason I always can whenever I think about how I want to feel I just want to feel happy and I know it's simple but I think sometimes we need to really think in simple terms about what we want and it's important to try to look at um, whatever we're going through um from a lens where we can just be happy, um, whether it's singing or whether it's breakdancing or whether it's playing Roblox. And, I, and I'm just saying these things because these are the things that my third grade students do. Um, so that's what I would say to them. Yeah, awesome. And then putting on your hat as a candidate running for city council, what is a message you would send to your city, your community, even you know, if it's like local government? Um, I think we just need to be very strong and not afraid. And when I say this, I think that whenever people do something with their own intentions, I think everyone is so quick to judge and everyone Mm -hmm. is so quick to say this isn't going to happen because this is that and whatever. But I think that it's important for us to really think about what the issues are and to prioritize what the needs are, and to not be afraid to speak out and advocate for those needs. So as a candidate for city council, I'm not afraid to really own in on what it means to have equitable outcomes for our students, to have affordable housing in our communities, and to ensure that food justice is there. Because 
These are the three things that lead the sustainable developmental goals for the United Nations. And Mm -hmm. these are just basic rights that we should have as people. We should have the right to shelter, right to education, right to food. So I'm not afraid to speak up on those three things. And those are the three things that are going to sustain us, that are sustaining us right now. And then lastly, so a majority of our listeners, of course, are Filipinas. So a message to our Filipina listener, whatever she may be going through right now, what would you like to say to her? I think that for any Filipina out there, I think that they need to do things with love in mind. And by love, I mean first and foremost self-love because you really need to love yourself before you can love other people. And I've learned this the hard way on multiple occasions, Mm -hmm. but it's so natural for us as Filipinos to just give to so many different people that we forget to give to ourselves. And it's important to give to ourselves daily and to really think about how much we're worth and how valuable we are to um, our society and to other people and to never ever Mm -hmm. feel pressured to do something because your parents say that you have to do it. You need to really love yourself to know who you are and what you want in life. And this is the best time to start investing in that too. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Thank you, Deirdre. This was such a beautiful discussion, honestly. And and I appreciate how you could be very real and vulnerable at the same time talking about these things. I think that's what it takes to feel like you have something to relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also sharing like your mission and your your dedication to justice, to your community and to education. I really thank you for being on the show and sharing your heart with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Would love if you can subscribe and or leave a review. And I can't wait to see you next time on the next Filipino on the Rise.